Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak. I'm your host, Elena Fox Starks. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really well right now. And whenever and wherever you are at this moment when you hear this recording, I want you to think about the following. If you want a bigger light, you use a bigger light bulb. And if you want a bigger life, use a bigger idea to get there. Never stop reaching for the next level and the next biggest idea. I want you to consider that if your dreams are easily attainable, maybe you need bigger dreams. You know, maybe your dream is to get a bigger rug for your living room instead of getting a a house that you own yourself if you're not a homeowner. Or if you are a homeowner, maybe you want to improve where you live or sell that house and get a bigger house or a better house or a tiny house and go all over the country. You never know what the next big idea, even if it's a tiny house, you never know your next big idea is going to be and well, what where it's going to take you. So never stop reaching for the next big thing in your life. So having said that, um, it was a big thing this past uh, 12 days and Ecuador got through all the demonstrations and the protests and the riots and we did it. (laughs) We got through it. Only about seven people died. I mean, that's remarkable if you see some of the footage from what happened on YouTube. Oh my God. (laughs) But, uh, during the last darkest days, the last few days of this, we had the darkest skies here in Cuenca. Just the clouds weren't just white and gray, not one smidgen of blue in sight, but some of the, some of the clouds are downright in some places black. (laughs) dark, dark charcoal. And I just feel like a lot of times the clouds in the sky reflect what we're thinking, you know, what, what's in our minds, what's in our psyches. And, um, today indigenous people's day, some people that are still ignorant, call it Columbus day. No one really wants to sell, celebrate, uh, that dick bag, <laughs> just to be honest. Um, he never did set foot in, a, in the United States ever or that land before it became the United States. He, um, I don't think he got much past the West Indies, to be honest. 
But um, for some reason, for the last 200 years or whatever, we've been celebrating, maybe 100 years, I don't even know when they started, but they've been celebrating Columbus Day. Well, now it's been called uh, Independent, or I mean Independent, Indigenous Peoples Day. And I'm glad about that. And just in time, I mean, the indigenous people here in Ecuador got their way. Subsidies are back. The poorest of the poor are not going to suffer. Nothing's changing. And they're really happy. They're celebrating today. Just in time for Indigenous Peoples Day. So the sky was reflecting a very, very pale, beautiful, cheerful blue today. Lots of puffy white clouds. And in the late afternoon... Uh, low on the horizon the sky was a peach color and then there was a lot of pink and purple and it was just so beautiful I didn't get any pictures I just sat and watched it I just wanted to experience it in real time without dealing with technology today and I just wanted to soak it up and, and take it in and it was it was awesome I've been sleeping a lot for the past couple days. I don't know about you guys, but I really feel like the, um, there's just, the energy is shifting again, you know, and, and we're here in South America, we're coming into summertime, but the nights have been so cold and I just feel like the earth changes are upon us. Like it's not normally this cold. Usually it's in the seventies in the day in the 50s at night during the summer and in the 40s or 50s at night in the in the winter and in the high you know mid to high 60s in the in the winter so i mean the temperature here hardly ever changes but the last couple days it's been 49 degrees at night that's so cold and in in there are some places i think in cajas national park and then in a little bit there's like one city it's like 45 minutes from here away from the jungle because the jungle is warmer but it's a little bit higher in elevation and they occasionally they'll get snow we don't get snow here but it feels so cold here like I don't know I couldn't believe last night I was so cold but I slept well you know if you keep your room temperature a little bit cold you're gonna sleep better and um my friend who had been stuck for 12 days in Machala actually was able to come home and he wrote me around noon and he said greetings from Cuenca and I went oh my god thank god and he goes I'm so happy to be home but it's so freaking cold here and I'm like how are you breathing and he's like yeah because he's been right at the coast with Neo Zero you know like just two or three feet above sea level and now he's back to 8,400 and he's like yeah suddenly it's harder to breathe here and I have no gas and it's cold and I have no um, hot water for my shower and I'm like oh my god baby wipes you know and he's like it's okay we'll get back it we'll get back there's um, two grocery chains here super maxi and Corral and Corral actually had the military fly supplies in which I mentioned this past week and he told me that he went to Super Maxi today and there's no food. There's like no vegetables, no fruit, no meat. So it's still not 100%. And I read in the newspaper today 
that the super maxi grocery chain will be closing tomorrow um, until they could get better supplies. I don't know if they'll be back open the next day or in two or three days, but according to the mayor, um, Mayor Palacios, he said that at least here in Cuenca, it's going to take about three days for all the gas to arrive so people can have propane to heat their water and their food and it's going to take a while for people to you know have the groceries and have everything restored and back together they're assessing the damages hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage to the world heritage buildings and fountains and sidewalks and we have cobblestone streets here i mean all of it's got to be fixed and it's they're just in the process of cleaning up and assessing the damage and trying to figure out what to do and as well the um it's just crazy it's just everything is just so completely crazy what's going on here but it is better everything is getting better it's gonna take us a while to recover from it but all of the roadblocks uh, are gone all the blockades are gone People have gone home. Yesterday, there were still some pockets of people saying, no, we still want other demands. And everything is back together now, though. All of the debris is still today and tomorrow. They still have to clean up all the debris that people put in the roads. But the buses, bus service between the cities has been running. And uh, pretty much the government said the same thing has been saying, just you know, lay low, and if there's still pockets of demonstrations, just avoid it, keep a low profile, go out just in your own neighborhood or in your own city and get the supplies you need for the next coming, you know, weeks, and just still kind of keep a low profile, basically, just, you know, relax, stay under the radar, just keep it together until everything gets restored back to normal completely so over the past few days uh, millions of people were without power 738,000 residences in um, California had uh, all their power preemptively shut off PG&E was afraid due to the very dry and very windy conditions that their equipment would once again start another fire like the one that started last year and decimated my town of Paradise, California, where I raised my children for 10 years. Um, Our town burned completely to the ground last year and um, we were here in Cuenca at the time while my oldest was in the Bay Area. But all, I mean, I had a couple uh, boyfriends that I and friends I had a lot of friends up there and they all had to evacuate and they all lost their homes and um, one of my exes actually went back and wanted to be a part of the effort and so he bought a house in Megalia which is where my house had been and my house is still there but the rest of the whole area is just just practically gone you know parts of Megalia are gone in all of paradise totally it was decimated in like four hours and it's pg fault so 
they filed a lawsuit for like 52.1 billion dollars um not lawsuit I'm sorry for bankruptcy because they're going to have to pay all of those people who lost family members who lost their home their land the ability to live there it's going to be a place of hazardous material for years it's very very dan- dangerous to live there so they're going through that and then you know the conditions that sparked that fire started up again so they said we're going to turn off all of the power and you know and it's like nothing people could really do it's like okay whatever everyone expected to be off for 12 hours instead it was off for 48 hours and this is like throughout the bay and everything so think about millions of people lost everything in their fridge probably you know unless the ones who actually went out and bought ice and coolers and put their stuff in that like completely ridiculous i mean 48 hours without power you just lost everything in your fridge and if you just went and um bought a bunch of groceries then you're just sol you know so now they got to pay for that and the mayor and the mayor the governor newsom of california is now calling for um pg need to give everybody a hundred dollars um either you know money or directly or in credit to make up for the fact that they just screwed up over all these people they should have only kept the power off for a few hours until the conditions changed 12 hours no more than 12 hours so that people could um they wouldn't lose their food you know so that's a big problem you know that in the bay area they were all in a blackout you know so there you have it there's that and speaking of blackouts the um disclosurenews.it said that uh their site is back live finally 9:30 this morning but the interruption data is not available as seen from the large blank space or blackout <laughs> on this chart they said look for more information on the web it seems that the void period remained almost calm and they saw that there were some movements of around 10 hertz that they weren't looking at heart math apparently because i didn't see anything around 10 hertz on there but it says uh in the evening report for the little we can see their situation remained calm and it says hertz 13 at the top of you know kind of in the middle of the page so i guess there's only 13 hertz frequency up there uh, in italy or over there and um let's see <clears throat> we're going to heart math institute we can see that in California, they were at 121 at midnight. By 4 a.m., they were at 118. And in Saudi Arabia, in the town of Hofuf, they started at 107 hertz frequency and went down to 103 by 4 a.m. And at midnight in Lithuania, they started off at 110 hertz frequency on the Schumann resonance scale and went down to 97 by 4 a.m. Uh, Alberta, Canada started off at 135 hertz frequency at midnight and they went down to 133 by 4 a.m. And uh, Northland, New Zealand started off at 82. That's the only one that's in the double digits for the whole chart. They start off at 82 at midnight and went up to 84 
by 4 a.m. And last but not least, Halului, South Africa being the highest today, 138 hertz frequency at midnight, and they were down to 137 by 4 a.m. So there you have it. We are still at 99, or again at 99 on the Ascension Symptoms scale. Uh, Ascension Symptoms I've noticed is just um, time speeding up, going really fast, sleeping a lot, really crazy dreams with this full moon. Um, I don't know, I've been having a lot of just really wild dreams. Um, I can't even tell you what they were last night, but I know that one of my dreams was that I was surrounded by people in the place that I now waking up don't recognize the place nor the people, but I was like surrounded by friends that I absolutely loved and adored and they all knew me and I knew them and everything was normal in that situation. I woke up and I'm like, who the hell were those people? (laughs) Have you ever had a dream like that? You're just like, why do I keep dreaming about all these strangers? Like, is it a past life, future life? I mean, where do you know these people from, you know? But it was like modern day times in my dream. And I don't know, it was like, I'm in university. They're like roommates or something. and Or just friends at the university. I don't know, it was very weird. But I've had these ongoing, for decades, I've had ongoing dreams that I'm in a mall. Like a specific mall. And it looks... It's not, but it looks a lot like the mall in Medellin that I used to go to in Colombia. But it's not really that. But it looks a lot like it. It's like almost like an art museum. It's so beautiful. It's all different shades of white and glass fixtures and like chandeliers. I mean, it's just super fancy white marble and stuff. I've had that ongoing dream for a long time. And I've had ongoing dreams of being for decades being in a university and I'm there seeing my friends and I wake up and I'm like I have never seen that university in my life and I I don't even know these people and I don't even look like I look now and it's just really really bizarre I don't know what that is maybe it's when I go to heaven that sometimes that's what I'm doing when I'm there when I travel there astral projecting and we all do that So if you ever have these situations, ask yourself and try to ask your higher guidance. Maybe use a pendulum or something and try to see, or muscle testing even, try to see if that's what it is. Are you going to heaven or is your brain making up something because you're bored as hell? (laughs) Anyway, I I know that I, I go to lectures and I talk to people and then I wake up and I'm like, what? It has zero relevance to my life. It's not helping me here. I don't even know what that was. But I did have an amazing dream where I figured out how to levitate and float. And I learned how to control it where I opened up my bedroom door and I was I sat on my bed and I floated above my bed and I floated into the hallway <laughs> while still kind of in like a cross-legged position it was like (laughs) so bizarre and then in my dream and it was I was in a different apartment in that part and the hallway was like different but then I had another dream that I did the same thing and I floated I opened my window and I floated and I'm on the third floor and in this part of the dream I was in the apartment I'm actually in 
And I don't know why in my dream the window was so wide. There's no way I could fit through it even if I wanted to. But um, this is a pretty skinny window, which is probably good being on the third floor. But in my dream, I opened the window. <laughs> and I just and I sat on my bed again and I floated up and I floated out the window and I was hovering outside of my building, floating around and looking around. And I'm like, I'm really happy I got this skill. This is really cool. And then I started to freak out a little bit like, oh, what if I lose it? And then I, with that thought, immediately came back, floated back through my window and landed on my bed. And I was like, oh, thank God I made it. (sighs) So weird, right? I mean, if I was ever going to just float around, I wouldn't float from the top down of a building. I'd float from the ground up, you know, I'd be like, open my window. I'm going to float up there and then go my window. I mean, that's how I would really do it. At first, I'd just like float to the tops of trees to look at those green parrots across the street. You know, that's what I would do. But bizarre dreams. And I think it has something to do with this uh, full moon energy. It's just, it's given me bizarre strange dreams and I'm waking up going what (laughs) and this time though this morning I woke up and I'm like damn it I can't believe I wasn't actually floating ah I thought it it felt so real and I just was like oh I'm so happy I can finally float this is the coolest thing ever (sighs) then I woke up it's so frustrating Have you guys ever had dreams like that where you're like, I'm going to fly today and then you just like fly to work or you just fly to the park or whatever and then you wake up and you're like, damn it, I can't actually fly and that's just so annoying. (laughs) It's the most frustrating thing ever. Anyway, we are at 99 on the Ascension Symptoms scale, so that with the full moon is giving us dreams plus on top of that. Tinnitus, I keep gaining it in my right ear only, um, sometimes in both ears, but mostly my right ear. Um, still having a lot of, I'm not really having the cosmic naps. My son um, has been having the, the cosmic nap situation where you're just like normal and then all of a sudden, boop, you're asleep. I mean, he fell asleep on my sweater today and I was cold and I'm, now I'm like having my bathrobe around me. You know, because I don't want to wake him up. And it's so adorable that he's cuddling with his mom's sweater, even though he probably isn't even aware. You know, he just, like, laid down. He's like, okay, that's it. But um, I made him an amazing dinner. I made chicken wings and, oh, what else? The cabbage. And I did in the steamer. And I spent, like, two hours making the sauce, you know, out of several vegetables to put on the chicken and the cabbage. It was really good. It was all vegetables. And then just two pieces of chicken each and so it was good he was like wow this is so good you you start cooking for us like because before we're ordering food and then we were ordering healthy food and he'd come once a week and then we were just making that for ourselves he's like wow I'm glad you're making food now this time I just think it's not gonna last but hey like it's gonna last this time I am determined I just got spoiled for years just where we could order ourselves food or we could get whatever and then when I started the keto diet I'm like well now I definitely want to be healthy and but I'm really impressed with this digital steamer by Black & Decker that I got I'm like oh my gosh so it it kind of was one of those things like if the gas goes out that's gonna cook our food and 
but I've been really impressed by it. I'm like, you know what? No, I'm really happy. It's like, you just, you put this stuff in there and 20 minutes later, all your food is done. You don't have to worry about it burning and it keeps it warm for one hour for you. So when you're ready to eat, you can go and get your food. I mean, I eat mine right away after 20 minutes today and he wanted to wait another half hour. He wasn't ready to eat. And he was like, that's really cool that I could just wait. Like, and the food is still hot. And, um, anyway, it's just, it's just like my new gadget. It's like my new toy and I like it and I feel healthy. I'm like, yeah, this is good. This is the keto diet's going to work out for me. Cause all I need to do is rinse off the vegetables, chop them, throw them in there, bada boom, bada bing. So, so easy. And I don't know why I didn't do it before. Like I was just so like, no, you know, I have to fry it in oil or I need to put it in the oven and then I forget and it burns and then is that really the best way? And then I got to wash all the stuff. This thing is so easy to clean. You just, you know, run a sponge over it. It's, it doesn't like things don't stick. It's plastic. People don't, people, the things don't stick to it. The um, food just doesn't, it's so awesome. Anyway, I'm just, anyway, I'm proud of myself because, you know, I'm not like a very domestic-ish person. I like to cook. I hate to clean. <laughs> so this is making all of it super easy. I'm like, oh my God, never in my life do I have something so easy. I've always gone towards like normal cooking with an oven and I, I don't even own a microwave. I don't microwaves and I, I've caught too many of them on fire. <laughs> so I don't know. I've, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of kitchen fires, toasters, ovens, microwaves, fire is my element. You know, it's one of my elements and I should have known, but I didn't know about the hereditary magic. And now after all this time, it's finally come apparent that that is one of my elements. (laughs) And I do have a friend that can look at a candle. I don't know what she does. She holds her hand up to it and she lights candles with her mind without a lighter. She just does it. And I'm like, how the hell does that happen? Like, I need to ask her, what is it that you're actually literally doing? Like, you know, there's gotta be something. I know that it's possible, you know, and I've seen it in movies. I've seen it in cartoons. There was one where I think it was an old history tale for children. I was watching with my, my oldest kid when, when, um, he was really little and it was just like looking at this and he was like, Hey, wait a minute. Benjamin Franklin could light candles with his mind. I'm like, what? And he's like, well, he just waved his hand over and the candle lit. And then like a little, uh, a little fairy went away. Like, you know, the fairy came and lit the candle for him. I'm like that was weird. They didn't mention it, but that's what happened. And we were like, Whoa. And then we started thinking about it, you know, and I've been thinking about it for like 20 years. Wait a minute. I have seen that a couple times where people just kind of wave their hand and yeah, the fire. I'm like, Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Oh, wave your hand and the fireplace just starts itself. But I was talking to my friend and she's like, no, I've had hereditary magic for a long time. And I've been working with, you know, the spirits for a very long time. And I'm a very powerful witch. And I do, I do light candles with my mind. I just, I do, I do. So I'm like, yeah, okay, that's something I need to work with and learn. I need to stop catching my dinner on fire and breakfast and 
lunch on fire. <laughs> I need to actually like just light a candle on fire or have a place in the fireplace and light the fire, you know, in the fireplace where it's like appropriate. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so those are the things I've been thinking about lately. I want to start a fire with my mind and <laughs> float around my house because it's so fun. And even in my dream, I like was I was like floating with my legs crossed and then I was just standing up and I said to my son, hey, watch this. And I floated above the ground and I just started floating around. I'm like, this is going to be really, really awesome. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, when I go shopping, I can just like hold on to the cart and just float. And then that way, I'm not putting any pressure on my hips or my back or my neck. I'm not putting any pressure on my ankles. And I don't have to like really move my legs anymore. I could just like float around. He's like, Mom, you can't do that. This is my dream. Like, we're having this logical conversation of, you can't really do that. People will see you. You're going to freak people out. I go, what if I just put both my feet, like, up on the rung on the shopping cart, and they'll think that you pushed me. He's like, Mom's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Virgo dreams, I guess. I don't know. You have to, like, think about the logical stuff in the most illogical thing is happening, but... You guys still have to add, add the logic back in. It's like so crazy. But yeah, I've been dreaming. I mean, nuts stuff is just so nuts. But I've been sleeping a lot, like waking up only after three or four hours. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get up now and get up, brush my teeth, put on my bathroom, look at the time and like, wait a minute. <laughs> I only slept four hours. I'm going to go maybe lay down again. Then I go back, lay down again, and the next thing I know, it's three in the afternoon. It's like, oh my god, you know, I've been sleeping ten hours a day lately, and it's weird. That's what I used to do a long time ago, and then for about a year, this last year, I've been sleeping, you know, five or six hours a night only, and then every other night or every two or three nights, I would be sleeping twelve hours, you know, to make up for it. Now I'm back to you know, like a normal ten hours a night crazy stuff. I've always needed more maybe because of asthma, but now I'm in this place with 8,400 feet above sea level. And so it's hard to get oxygen as it is. And I think when I'm asleep, I replenish myself with oxygen because I breathe so deeply and I'm snoring so loudly. Maybe somehow I'm getting more oxygen to my brain. I don't know. But I'm waking up every day with my hair a little bit, just a little tiny bit darker, a little bit less white or so I like silvery white that was starting to grow in not I can't say gray but it's it's you know my hair is changing color and now every day when I sleep extra I'm just getting a little bit more back so yeah for that I'm grateful all right guys and a course in miracles uh, acim.org lesson 126 is this all that I give is given to myself all that I give is given to myself. Today's idea completely alien to the ego and the thinking of the world is crucial to the thought reversal that this course will bring about. If you believed the statement, there would be no problem in complete forgiveness, certainty of goal and sure direction. You would understand the means by which salvation comes to you and would not hesitate to use it now. 
So, all right, let's see if there's anything down. This is another one that's kind of a longer lesson. Not really long. It's like a whole page. I'm not going to read the whole page. Go to ACIM.org or download an app, and you can start reading the lessons for yourself. They're very, it's really worth your time. It only takes 10 to 15 minutes to do everything, and it's nice. It's worth it to use your time this way. So um, it later says, all that I give is given to myself. The help I need to learn that this is true is with me now, and I will trust in him. It says, spend a quiet moment opening your mind to his correction and his love. And what you hear of him, you will believe, for what he gives will be received by you. Of course, him being God, and you could say goddess and say her if you want. You know, there's no law says you can't, but, (laughs) you know, if that makes you a little bit more... um, close to the ideas of this you know um, not that Jesus meant these to be sexist but a lot of people think along the lines of God being a man and if you don't like the idea of God just say universe when you uh, you know so you could say you know the universe is correction and the universe is love you know for example because whatever it takes to get these ideas to your subconscious mind is worth it because this is how you unravel (laughs) <laughs> years of of uh, believing uh, falsehoods and lies about yourself, your lo- your lives, your situations, you know, all of the stuff you've been taught, you know, that this world is actually real. Is <laughs> this really not? <laughs> this um, it's just a matrix. It's just an experiment. It's like a grand schematic so that God can pretend he's not God. And he can learn about what it's like to not be himself. (laughs) Much the way that an actor will put on new clothes and go on stage or go before a camera and pretend that she is someone else. You know, like she might be walking in L.A. with her pooch in a purse, you know, in Beverly Hills, sipping on a Starbucks and then... She goes to a soundstage. Next thing you know, she's the Queen of England. You know, um, it's just, and that's just kind of the same thing. Like, we think we're one thing, you know, but then we come here and we're something else. But all this, none of this is really real. (laughs) Reality can be beaten with just enough imagination, says Mark Twain. And that's what we've done by coming here. You know, the reality of it is we are not sick or overweight or lonely or poor or whatever we think we are. (laughs) We are all one. We are having this wild, wild pretend game together. And it's so like, sometimes it's very persistent. It's very real. And it's like, whoa, this world can be so crazy, so scary, so cold, so whatever. But at the end of the day, we're going to go back and we're going to go, oh my God, that was so fun. That virtual reality we thought was real. <laughs> this is just like a reality game. And we just keep going up one one level at a time. It's almost like a video game. My kids 
have talked to me about this before where they think of it is just you know we're in a video game we just keep beating the levels and then we go up you know you beat enough levels you become wealthy you beat enough levels you um get in good shape or you beat enough levels you get to be a movie star this time or whatever you know famous or a famous musician this time you know you might start off and you don't know anything about music and you're just a street urchin but then after several lifetimes now you're you know <laughs> filling hundreds of thousands of people in stadiums across the world and you're a rock star <laughs> you know and we've all been lifted up to the fifth dimension so we're all getting glimpses of it every now and again we're like wait a minute <laughs> This isn't what we thought at all. This is so weird. We're like, it's just, it's, it's unnerving for one. It's super unnerving. You know, when you start realizing you could speed up time and slow down time, it's super unnerving. But then also it becomes very fun. Anyway, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, we are going to read a book from, well, 1857, 162 years old. From Alain Kardec. Wasn't his real name either. <laughs> like the other book we've been reading on Saturdays. And this is called The Spirits Book. He asks a bunch of questions of the spirits. And he asked four different mediums the same exact questions. And he got the same exact answers. And then he published this book and went like wildfire around the world. Got everyone talking about everything. Under the sun that has to do with what happens to spirits and they go on the other side what happens to us why are we here is reincarnation real yada 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 and um this book was so popular that it became very much a threat to the catholic church and they started having book burnings if you want to learn about the life and the man who wrote this book and had this experimental idea as a scientist to combine science with spiritual matters, go see on Netflix a movie called Kardec, K-A-R-D-E-C. He lived in uh, Paris, France, place I've lived many times in past lives. Never been there yet in this life, but I definitely, it's on my bouquet list. <laughs> but um, there's like two references in there if you guys get it. They'll be funny. Otherwise, you know, I mean, bucket, but <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So when I come back, I'm going to start off with chapter four, which means this is, uh, it's actually chapter four in the second book, which I think would make this the fourth I got to check out. I guess see what I did last week. I think this is uh, part four because we're going to, there's 429 pages to this book and we had to skip over 62 pages of intro, which was like an insane introduction. I'm like, dude, let's just get right into the material. But we're on page 119 right now. So I think this is a fourth part four possibly five anyway I will put it on I will list it as what it is but we're gonna come back with in book two chapter four about the plurality of existences right after these messages 
Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you. Justice of Reincarnation Question 171 What foundation is there for the doctrine of reincarnation? The Spirit's answer The justice of God and revelation for, as we have already remarked, an affectionate father always leaves a door of repentance open for his erring children. Does not reason itself tell you that it would be unjust to inflict an eternal deprivation of happiness on those who have not had the opportunity of improving themselves? Are not all men God's children? It is only among selfish human beings that injustice, implacable hatred, and irremissible punishments are to be found. Now, um, Alan Kardec has his own commentary that goes on after that. He says, All spirits tend towards perfection and are furnished by God with the means of advancement through the trials of corporeal life. But the divine justice compels them to accomplish. In new existences, that which they've not been able to do or to complete in a previous trial... Sorry, the punctuation is really weird in this. Uh, so if it sounds like I'm not reading it right, it's just the punctuation is really bad. All right. Alan Kardec goes on to say, It would not be consistent with the justice or with the goodness of God to sentence to eternal suffering those who may have encountered obstacles to their improvement independent of their will and resulting from the very nature of the conditions in which they found themselves placed. If the fate of mankind were irrevocably irrevocably fixed after death, God would not have weighed the actions of all in the same scales and would not have treated them with impartiality. The doctrine of reincarnation, that is to say, the doctrine which proclaims that men have many successive existences, is the only one which answers to the idea we form to ourselves of the justice of God in regard to those who are placed by circumstances over which they have no control in conditions unfavorable to their moral advancement. The only one which can explain the future and furnish us with a sound basis for our hopes because it offers us the means of redeeming our, our errors through new... Ugh. Oh my God. Redeeming our errors through new trials. This doctrine is indicated by the teachings of reason, as well as by those of our spirit instructors. He who is conscious of his own inferiority derives a consoling hope from the doctrine of reincarnation. If he believes in the justice of God, 
He cannot hope to be placed at once and for all eternity on a level with those who have made a better use of life than he has done. But the knowledge that this inferiority will not exclude him forever from the supreme felicity and that he will be able to conquer this felicity through new efforts, revives his courage and sustains his energy. Who does not regret at the end of his career that the experience he has acquired should have come too late to allow of his turning it to useful account? This tardily acquired experience will not be lost for him. He will profit by it in a new corporeal life. Incarnation in different worlds. 172. Do we accomplish all our different corporeal existences upon this earth? The spirits answer, not all of them, for those existences take place in many different worlds. The world in which you are now in is neither the first nor the last of these but is one of those that are the most material and the furthest removed from perfection. <sighs> Boy, ain't that the truth. All right. Um, question 173. Does the soul at each new corporeal existence pass from one world to another, or can it accomplish several existences on the same globe? Spirit's answer, it may live many times on the same globe if it be not sufficiently advanced to pass into a higher one. And the follow-up question is, we may then reappear several times upon the earth? Spirits say, certainly. Certainly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just had to add that in there. <laughs> Certainly, like the Three Stooges. <laughs> All right. Follow-up question. Can we come back to it after having lived in other worlds? The spirits answer, assuredly you can. You may already have lived elsewhere as upon the earth. Question 174. Is it necessary to live again upon this earth? The spirits say, no. But if you do not advance, you may go into a world no better than this one or even worse. <laughs> Question 175. Is there any advantage in coming back to inhabit this earth? Spirits say, no special advantage unless it be fulfillment of a mission. In that case, the spirit advances whether incarnated in this earth or elsewhere. Follow-up question. Would it not be happier to remain as a spirit? The spirits say, no, no, for we should remain stationary and we want to advance towards God. Question 176. Can spirits come to this world for the first time after having been incarnated in other worlds? Spirits answer, yes, just as you may go into other worlds or other ones. All of the worlds of the universe are united by the bonds of solidarity. That which is not accomplished in one of them is accomplished in another. Hmm. Follow-up question. Some of those who are now upon this earth are here then for the first time? Spirits say, many of them are so and at various degrees of advancement. 
follow-up. Is there any sign by which we can know the spirits who are here for the first time? Spirits say such knowledge would not be of the slightest use to you. <laughs> okay. Question 177. In order to arrive at the perfection and the supreme felicity, which are the final aim of mankind, is it necessary for a spirit to pass through all the worlds that exist in the universe? Spirits answer, no, for there are a great number of worlds of the same degree in which a spirit would learn nothing new. Que Follow-up question. How then are we to explain the plurality of his existences upon the same globe? Spirits answer, he may find himself each time he comes back in very different situations, which afford him the opportunity of acquiring new experience. Question 178. Can spirits live corporeally in a world relatively inferior to the one in which they have already lived? That's a good question. They say, the spirits say yes. When they have, a, have to fulfill a mission in aid of progress, and in that case they joyfully accept the tribulations of section existence, because these will furnish them with the means of advancement. Follow-up. May this not occur also as an expiation, and may not rebellious spirits be sent to God into worlds of lower degree? Spirits answer, spirits may remain stationary, but they never retrograde. Those who are rebellious are punished by not advancing and by having to recommence their misused existences under the conditions suited to their nature. Follow-up question, who are they that are compelled to recommence the same existence? They say, they who fail in the, in the fulfillment of their mission or in the endurance of the trial appointed to them. Question 179. Have all human beings who inhabit any given world arrived at the same, the same degree of perfection? The spirits say no. It is in the other worlds as upon the earth. There are some who are more advanced and others who are less so. Question 180. In passing from this world into another one, does the spirit retain the intelligence which he possessed in this one? The spirits say, undoubtedly he does. Intelligence is never lost. Oh, thank God. <laughs> but he may not have the same means of manifesting it. For that depends both on his degree of advancement and on the quality of the body he will take. Vid, influence of organism, it says here. Question 181. Have the human beings who inhabit the other worlds bodies like ours? Spirits answer... They undoubtedly have bodies because it is necessary for the spirit to be clothed with matter in order to act upon matter. But this envelope is more or less material according to the degree of purity at which each spirit has arrived. And it is these gradations of purity that decide the different worlds through which we have to pass. 
For in our Father's house are many mansions, and therefore many degrees among those mansions. There are some who know this and possess the consciousness of this fact while upon the earth, and there are others who have no such intuition. Question 182. Can we obtain any exact knowledge of the physical and moral state of the different worlds? The spirits say, we spirits can only reply according to the degree to the degree at which you have arrived. That is to say that we must not reveal these things to all because some are not in the state which would enable them to understand such revelations and would be confused by them. Alan Kardec has his own commentary. He says, In proportion as a spirit becomes purified, the body with which he clothes himself also approaches more nearly the spirit nature. The matter of which his body is composed is less dense. He no longer crawls heavily on the surface of the ground. His bodily needs are less gross and the various living beings in those higher worlds are no longer obliged to destroy one another in order to feed themselves. A spirit incarnated in those worlds enjoys a greater degree of freedom and possesses in regards to objects at a distance orders of perception of a nature unknown to us. He sees with his eyes what we see only in thought. The purification of spirits determines the moral excellence of the corporeal beings in whom they are incarnated. The animal passions become weaker and selfishness gives place to the sentiment of fraternity. Thus, in worlds of higher degree than our earth, wars are unknown because no one thinks of doing harm to his fellow beings and there is consequently no motive for hatred or discord. The foresight of their future, which is intuitive in the people of those worlds, and the sense of security resulting from a conscience void of remorse, cause them to look forward to death without fear, as being simply a process of transformation, the approach of which they perceive without the slightest uneasiness. The duration of a lifetime in the different worlds appears to be proportionate to the degree of moral and physical superiority of each world, and this is perfectly consonant with reason. The less material is the body, the less the subject it is to the vicissitudes which disorganize it. The purer the spirit, the less subject it is to the passions which undermine and destroy it. This correspondence between moral and physical conditions is a proof of the beneficence of the providential law. Even in worlds of low degree, as a duration of the suffering which is the characteristic of life in those worlds is thus rendered proportionally shorter. Question 183. In passing from one world to the other, to another, does the spirit pass through a new infancy? Ah, that's a good question. Answer by the spirit say, infancy is in all worlds a necessary transition, but it is not in all of them so stupid as it is in yours. <laughs> oh my God. So snarky, man. Question 184. 
has a spirit the choice of the new world, which uh, I don't know why they, they said lie. Let me read that again. Question 184. Has the spirit the choice of the new world, which he is to inhabit? spirit's answer not always but he can make his demand and it may be granted but only if he have deserved it for the various worlds are only accessible to spirits according to the degree of their elevation (laughs) that was fun i like the crow all right there we go had to turn off that all right again 49 degrees can't believe it that came up just now um I should look up 49. It's like three days in a row with 49. All right. So then his follow-up question is, if a spirit make no such demand, what is it that decides as to the world in which he will be reincarnated? The spirits answer the degree of his elevation. Question 185. Is the physical and moral state of the living beings of each globe always the same? And the spirits say, no, worlds like the beings that live in them are subject to the law of progress. All have begun like yours by being in a state of inferiority, and the earth will undergo a transformation similar to that which has been accomplished by the others. It will become a terrestrial paradise when the men by whom it is inhabited have become good. And his Alan Kardec's note on that says, The races which now people the earth will gradually disappear and will be succeeded by others more and more perfect. Those transformed races will succeed the races now upon the earth, as these have succeeded earlier races still more gross than the present ones. All right, question 186. Are there worlds in which the spirit ceasing to inhabit a material body has no longer any other envelope than the peri-spirit? And they say, yes. And this envelope itself becomes so etherealized that for you, it is as though it did not exist. This is a state of fully purified spirits. And his follow-up question, it would seem from the statement that there is no clearly marked line of demarcation between the state of the latter incarnations and that of pure spirit. They say no such demarcation exists. The difference between them growing gradually less and less, they blend into one another as the darkness of night melts into the dawn. Question 187. Is the substance of the peri-spirit the same in all globes? They say, no, it is more or less ethereal. On passing from one world to another, a spirit clothes himself with the matter proper to each, changing his envelope with the rapidity of lightning. Hmm. Cool. Kind of like how Superman gets dressed in a... Okay. <laughs> In a telephone booth. <laughs> Question 188. Do the pure spirits inhabit special worlds, or are they in universal space without being attached to any particular globe? They say, the pure spirits inhabit certain worlds, but they're not confined to them as men are confined to the earth. They possess in a higher degree than the others, 
than any others, the power of instantaneous locomotion, which is equivalent to ubiquity. So Alan Kardec has some things to say about that. So he says, according to the statements of the spirits, the earth as regards the physical and moral qualities of its inhabitants is one of the least advanced of all the globes of our solar system. Mars is stated to be at a point even lower than that of the earth and Jupiter to be greatly superior to the earth in every respect. The sun is not a world inhabited by corporeal beings. Okay, to be honest, guys, I have information that, yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, I got to think about that a little bit more later and tell you on another day, but I've been given information that there were beings there. All right, so it says this, what he says is the sun is not a world inhabited by corporeal beings, but it is a place of meeting for the spirits of a higher order from thence send out the radiations of their thought towards the other worlds of our solar system, which they govern through the instrumentality of spirits of a less elevated degree to whom they transmit their action by the intermediary of this universal fluid. As regards to its physical constitution, the sun would appear to be a focus of electricity and all the other suns seem to be identical with ours in nature and function. All right, well, he kind of just answered what I was going to tell you guys another day, huh? That was pretty cool. Anyway, his, his um, commentary goes on and he says, The size of planets and their distance from the sun have no necessary relation with their degree of advancement, for Venus is said to be more advanced than the earth and Saturn is declared to be less advanced than Jupiter. The souls of many persons well known on this earth are said to be reincarnated on Jupiter. Huh? One of the worlds nearest to perfection and much surprise has been felt on hearing it stated that persons who when here were not supposed to merit such a favor should have been admitted into so advanced a globe. But there's nothing in this fact that needs surprise us if we consider first that certain spirits who have inhabited this planet may have been sent hither in fulfillment of a mission which to our eyes did not seem to place them in the foremost ranks secondly. That they may have had between their lives here and in Jupiter intermediary existences in which they have advanced. And thirdly, that there are innumerable degrees of development in that world as in this one, and that there may be as much difference between these degrees as there is among us, between the savage and the civilized man. It no more follows that a spirit is on a level with the most advanced beings of Jupiter because he inhabits that planet than it follows that an ignoramus <laughs> is on a level with the philosopher because he inhabits the same town. <laughs> oh my God. The condition. Oh my God. The Kardashians. Wait, that's not what it says. The conditions of longevity also are as various in other worlds as they are on our earth and no comparison can be established between the ages of those who inhabit them. 
a person who had died some years previously on being evoked stated that he had been incarnated for six months in a world the name of which is unknown to us. Being questioned as to the age in that world, his age in that world, he replied, there's no point which I'm unable to decide because in the first place, we do not count time in the same way as you do. And the next place, our mode of existence is not the same as yours. Cool. Our development is much more rapid in this world for although it's only six of your months since I came here, I may say that as regards intelligence, I am about what one usually is at the age of 30 on your earth. Wow, interesting. A great number of similar replies have been given by other spirits. And these statements contain nothing improbable. Do we not see upon our earth a host of animals that acquire their normal development in the course of a few months? Why should not men do the same in other spheres? And it is to be remarked moreover that the degree of development acquired by man at the age of 30 upon the earth may be only a short sort of infancy in comparison with what he is destined to arrive at in worlds of higher degree short-sighted indeed are they who look upon our present selves as being in all respects the normal type of creation and to suppose that there can be no other modes of existence than our present one is in sooth a strange narrowing of our idea of the possibilities of the divine action. Progressive transmigrations. Question 189. Does the spirit enjoy the plenitude of his faculties from the beginning of his formation? The spirits say no, for the spirit like the man has its infancy. Spirits at their origin have only an instinctive existence and have scarcely any consciousness of themselves or of their act, their acts. It is only little by little that their intelligence is developed. Question 190. What is the state of the soul at its first incarnation? Spirits say, a state analogous to that of infancy, considered in its relation to a human life. Its intelligence is only beginning to unfold itself. It may be said to be essaying to live. Question 191. Are the souls of our savages souls in the state of infancy? Oh my God. I, okay, I'll just say what it says, but that just does seem a little bit racist. But it's 162 years old, this script, so... All right. The souls say, the spirits say, a relative infancy, but they are souls that have already accomplished a certain number of developments, a certain amount of development, for they have passions. Okay, so the follow-up question is, passions then are a sign of development? Of development, yes, but not of perfection. They're a sign of activity and of consciousness of the, of the me. Maybe consciousness of the men? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Consciousness of the me thinks a typo. Well, on the contrary, in the primitive state of the soul, intelligence and vitality exist only as germs. That's really weird answer. All right. Kardec says the life of a spirit in his totality goes through successive phases similar to 
those of a corporeal lifetime. He passes gradually from the embryonic state to that of infancy and arrives through a succession of periods at the adult state, which is that of his perfection. With, with this difference, however, that it is not subject either to decrepitude or to decline, like the corporeal life that the let the life of a spirit, though it has had a beginning, will have no end. Yet he takes what appears from our point of view to be an immense length of time in passing from the state of spirit infancy to the attainment of the complete development. And that he accomplishes this progression, not in one and the same sphere, but by passing through different worlds. The life of a spirit is thus composed of a series of corporeal existences, each of which affords him an opportunity of progress, as each of his corporeal existences is composed in a series of days, in each of which he acquires a new increment of experience and of knowledge. But just as in a human lifetime, there are days which bear no fruit. So in the life of a spirit, there are corporeal existences which are barren of profitable result because he has failed to make a right use of them. Question 192. Is it possible for us by leading a perfect life in our present existence to overleap all of the intervening steps of the ascent and thus to arrive at the state of pure spirits without passing through intermediate degrees? The spirits answer, no. (laughs) For what a man imagines to be perfect is very far from perfection. There are qualities which are entirely unknown to him and which he could not now be made to comprehend. He may be as perfect as it is possible for his terrestrial nature to be, but he will still be very far from the true and absolute perfection. It is just as with the child, who, however precocious he may be, must necessarily pass through youth to reach adult life, or as a sick man who must pass through convalescence before arriving at the complete recovery of his health. And besides, a spirit must advance in knowledge as well as in morality. If he has advanced in only one of these directions, he will have to advance equally in the other in order to reach the top of the ladder of perfection. But it is nonetheless certain that the more a man advances in his present life, the shorter and less painful will be the trials he will have to undergo in his subsequent existences. So the follow-up is, can a man at least ensure for himself after his present life a future existence less full of bitterness than this one? I freaking hope so. <laughs> the spirits say, yes, undoubtedly. He can abridge the length and the difficulties of the road. It is only he who does not care to advance that remains always at the same point. Question 193. Can a man in his new existences descend to a lower point than that which he has already reached? The spirits answer, as regards his social position, yes, but not as regards his degree of progress as a spirit. Question 194. Can the soul of a good man in a new incarnation animate the body of a scoundrel? (laughs) 
They say, no, because the spirit cannot degenerate. That's cool. And his follow-up, can the soul of a bad man become the soul of a good man? (laughs) The spirits answer, yes, if he has repented, and in that case, his new incarnation is the reward and in that case, his new incarnation is a reward of his efforts at amendment. And uh, Kardec has something to say about that. His follow-up commentary says, The line of march of all spirits is always progressive, never retrograde. They raise themselves gradually in the hierarchy of existence. They never descend from the rank at which they have once arrived. In the course of their different corporeal existences, they may descend in rank as men, but not as spirits. Thus, the soul of one who has been at the pinnacle of earthly power may, in a subsequent incarnation, animate the humblest day laborer, and vice versa. For the elevation of ranks among men is often in the inverse ratio of that of the moral sentiments. Herod was a king... Jesus was a carpenter. There you go. So question 195. Might not the certainty of being able to improve oneself in a future existence lead some persons to persist in evil courses through knowing that they will always be able to amend at some later period? The spirits say, he who can make such a calculation would have no real belief in anything and such an and such a one would not he any more restrained by the would not be any more restrained by the idea of incurring eternal punishment because his reason would reject that idea which leads to every sort of unbelief an imperfect spirit it is true might reason in that way during his corporeal life but when he's freed from his material body He thinks very differently, for he soon perceives that he has made a great mistake in his calculations, and this perception causes him to carry an opposite sentiment into his next incarnation. It is thus that progress is accomplished. It is thus also that you have upon the earth some men who are farther advanced than others, because some possess experience that the others have not yet acquired but that will be gradually acquired by them. It depends upon each spirit to hasten his own advancement or to retard it indefinitely. Kardec has a follow-up commentary. He says, The man who has an unsatisfactory position desires to change it as soon as possible. He who is convinced that the tribulations of the present life are the consequences of his own imperfections will seek to ensure for himself a new existence of a less painful character, and this conviction will draw him away from the wrong road much more effectively than that of the threat of eternal flames, which he does not believe in. An eternal flame. Okay, just kidding. Huh, <laughs> I forgot the tune of that song. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, that that actually, the words eternal flame, I never thought of hell. Now that you think of that song, I'm always going to think about hell. That's hilarious. All right, hilarious. (laughs) 
Question 196. As spirits can only be ameliorated by undergoing the tribulations of corporeal existence, it would seem to follow that the material life is a sort of sieve or strainer (laughs) by which the beings of the spirit world are obliged to pass in order to arrive at perfection. (laughs) The spirits say, Yes, that is the case. They improve themselves under the trials of corporeal life by avoiding evil and by practicing what is good. But it is only through many successive incarnations or purifications that they succeed after a lapse of time, which is longer or shorter according to the amount of effort put forth by them, reaching will reaching the goal towards which they tend follow-up question is it the body that influences the spirit for its amelioration or is it the spirit that influences the body the spirits say your spirit is everything your body is a garment that rots and nothing more (sighs) Uh, he has another follow-up uh Commentary, he says, A material image of the various degrees of purification of the soul is furnished by the juice of the grape. It contains a liquid called spirit or alcohol, but weakened by the presence of various foreign elements which change its nature, so that it's only brought to a state of absolute purity after several distillations. At ease at each of which it is cleared of some portion of impurity. The still represents the corporeal body into which the spirit enters for its purification. The foreign elements represent the imperfections from which the prairie spirit is gradually freed in proportion as the spirit approaches the state of relative perfection. Fate of children after death. Question 197. Is the spirit of a child who dies in infancy as advanced as that of an adult? Spirits say, he is sometimes much more so, for he may previously have lived longer and acquired more experience, especially if he be a spirit who has already made considerable progress. Now, the follow-up question is, the spirit of a child may then be more advanced than that of his father? Spirits say, that is very frequently the case. Do you not often see examples of this superiority in your world? (laughs) Question 198. In the case of a child who has died in infancy and without having been able to do evil, does the spirit belong to the higher degrees of the spirit hierarchy? The spirits answer, if he have done no evil, he has also done nothing good. And God does not exonerate him from the trials with which he has to undergo. If such a spirit belongs to a high degree, it is not because he was a child, but because he had achieved that degree of advancement as a result of previous existences. Question 199. Why is it that life is so often cut short in childhood? The spirits answer, 
The duration of a life of a child may be for the spirit thus incarnated the complement of an existence interrupted before its appointed term, and his death is often a trial or an expiation for his parents. Hmm. Follow-up question. What becomes of the spirit of a child who dies in infancy? Spirits say he recommences a new existence. Now, uh, Kardec has a bunch of follow-up commentary after that. He says, if man had but a single existence, and if after this existence his future state were fixed for all eternity, by which by what standard of merit could eternal felicity be adjudged, adjudged, I guess it's that, I don't know this word, um, adjudication, but it's not that, A-D-J-U-D-G-E-D. So, uh, what standard of merit could eternal felicity or happiness be adjudged to that half of the human race which dies in childhood and by what would it be exonerated from the conditions of progress often so painful imposed on the other half such an ordering could not be reconciled with the justice of God through the reincarnation of spirits the most absolute justice is equally meted out to all the possibilities of the future are open to all without exception and without favor to any those who are the last to arrive have only themselves to blame for the delay each man must merit happiness by his own right action as he has to bear the consequences of his own wrongdoing it is moreover most irrational to consider childhood as a normal state of innocence Do we not see children endowed with the vilest instincts at an age at which even the most vicious surroundings cannot have begun to exercise any influence upon them? Do we not see many who seem to bring with them at birth cunning, falseness, perfidy, and even instincts of thieving and murder, and this in spite of the good examples by which they are surrounded? Human law absolves them from their misdeeds because it regards them as having acted without discernment, and it is right in doing so, for they really act instinctively rather than from deliberate intent. But whence proceed the instinctual differences observable in children of the same age, brought up amidst the same conditions and subjected to the same influences? Whence comes this precocious perversity, if not from the inferiority of the spirit himself, since education has had nothing to do with producing it? Those who are vicious are so because their spirit has made less progress, and being the case, each will have to suffer the consequences of his inferiority. Not on account of his wrongdoing as a child, but as a result of his evil courses in former existences. And thus the action of providential law is the same for each, and the justice of God reaches equally to all. (laughs) Sex in Spirits Question 200 Have Spirits Sex? The Spirits answer, 
not as you understand sex, for sex in that sense depends on the corporeal organization. Love and sympathy exist among them, but founded on similarity of sentiments. Sentiments. Question 201. Can a spirit who has animated the body of a man animate the body of a woman in a new existence and vice versa? Spirits answer, yes, the same spirits animate men and women. Question 202. Does a spirit, when existing in the spirit world, prefer to be incarnated as a man or as a woman? The spirits answer, that is a point in regard to which a spirit spirit is indifferent and which is always decided in view of the trials which he has to undergo in his new corporeal life. And uh, Kardec says um, this commentary, Spirits incarnate themselves as men or as women because they are of no sex and it is necessary for them to develop themselves in every direction, both sexes, as well as every variety of social position, furnish them with special trials and duties and with the opportunity of acquiring experience. A spirit who has, who had always incarnated itself as a man would be only known by men and vice versa. Relationship, filiation. Question 203. Do parents transmit to their children a part of their soul or do they only give them the animal life to which another soul afterwards adds the moral life? Spirits say the animal life only is given by the parents for the soul is indivisible. A stupid father may have clever children and vice versa. Question 204. (laughs) As we have had many existences, do our relationships extend beyond our present existence? The spirits answer, it cannot be otherwise. The succession of their corporeal existences establishes among spirits a variety of relationships which date back from their former existences. And these relationships are often the cause of the sympathies or antipathies which you sometimes feel towards persons whom you seem to meet for the first time. Question 205. The doctrine of reincarnation appears to some minds to destroy family ties by carrying them back to periods anterior to our present existence. The spirits answer, it extends those ties, but it does not destroy them. On the contrary, the conviction that the relationships of the present life are based on anterior affections renders the ties between members of the same family less precarious. It makes the duties of fraternity even more imperative because in your neighbor or in your servant may be incarnated some spirit who has formerly been united to you by the closest ties of consanguinity or of affection. It nevertheless diminishes the importance uh, from it nevertheless diminishes the importance which many persons attach to their ancestry since we may have had for our father a spirit who has belonged to a different race or who has lived in a different social position that is true but 
Oh, I guess that was a question. It was just, they screwed up their own, um, way of, it's like the font is supposed to be different when one person's speaking and the other person's speaking and they just screwed that part up. So I think that was a question. So lame. All right. All right, so his question is, it nevertheless diminishes the importance with which many persons attach to their ancestry, since we may have had for our father a spirit who's belonged to a different race or has lived in a different social position. I had to add that because there wasn't even a question mark there. And And they say that is true, but this importance is usually founded on pride. For what most people honor in their ancestors is title, rank, and fortune. Many a one who would blush to have an honest shoemaker for his grandfather, boasts of his descent from some debauchee of noble birth. But no matter what men may say or do, they will not prevent things from going on according to the divine ordering. For God has not regulated the laws of nature to meet the demands of human vanity. 206 If there be no affiliation among the spirits successively incarnated as the descendants of the same family, does it follow that it is absurd to honor the memory of one's ancestors? They say, the spirits say, assuredly not. For one ought to rejoice in belonging to a family in which elevated spirits have been incarnated. Although spirits do not proceed from one another, their affection for those who are related to them by family ties is nonetheless real. For they are often led to incarnate themselves in such and such a family by pre-existing causes of sympathy and by the influence of attractions due to relationships contracted in anterior lives. But you may be very sure that the spirits of your ancestors are in no way gratified by the honors you pay to their memory from a sentiment of pride. Their merits, however great they may have been, can only add to your deserts by stimulating your efforts to follow the good examples they may have given you and it is only through the emulation of their good qualities that your remembrance can become for them not only agreeable but also useful physical and moral likeness question 207 parents often transmit physical resemblance to their children do they also transmit to them moral resemblance the spirits say no because they have different souls or spirits. The body proceeds from the body, but the spirit does not proceed from any other spirit. Between descendants of the same race, there there is no other relationship than that of consanguinity. I think that means like blood ties. Sanguine um, is French for blood, I believe. Might be Latin for blood, so... Uh, follow-up question. What is the cause of the moral resemblance that sometimes exists between parents and children? And the spirits say, the attractive influence of moral sympathy, which origin, uh, origins together spirits who are animated by similar sentiments and tendencies. Question 208. Are the spirits of the parents without influence upon the spirit of their child after its birth? The spirits say they exercise, on the contrary, a great, a very great influence upon it. As we've already told you, spirits are made to conduce to one another's progress, 
To the spirits of the parents is confided the mission of developing those of their children by the training that they give them. It is a task which is appointed to them, which they cannot without guilt fail to fulfill. Question 209. How is it that good and virtuous parents often give birth to children of perverse and evil nature? In other words, how is it that the good qualities of the parents do not always attract to them through sympathy a good spirit to animate their child? Hmm. Uh, The spirits say, A wicked spirit may ask to be allowed to have virtuous parents in the hope that their counsels may help them amend his ways. And God often confides such a one to the care of virtuous persons in order that he may be benefited by their affection and care. Question 210. Can parents, by their intentions and their prayers, attract a good spirit into the body of their child instead of an inferior spirit? (laughs) The spirits say no, but they can improve the spirit of the child whom they have brought into the world and is confided to them for that purpose. It is their duty to do this, but bad children are often sent as a trial for the improvement of the parents also. Question 211. What is the cause of the similarity of characters so often existing among brothers, especially between twins? Spirits say the sympathy of two spirits who are attracted by the similarity of their sentiments and who are happy to be together. Aw. Question 212. In children whose bodies are joined together and who have some of their organs in common, are there two spirits, that is to say two souls? They say, the spirits say, yes, but their resemblance to one another often makes them seem to you as they were but one. Question 213. Since spirits incarnate themselves in twins from sympathy, whence comes the aversion that is sometimes felt by twins for one another? They say, it is not a rule that only sympathetic spirits incarnated as twins. Bad spirits may have been brought into this relation by their desire to struggle against each other on the stage of corporeal life. Question 214. In what way should we interpret the stories of children fighting in their mother's womb? (laughs) Souls, the spirits say, has a figurative representation of their hatred to one another, which to indicate its inveteracy, is made to date from before their birth. You rarely make sufficient allowance for the figurative and poetic element in certain statements. Question 215. What is the cause of the distinctive character which we observe in each people? The spirits say, Spirits constitute different families, formed by the similarity of their tendencies, which are more or less purified according to their elevation. Each people is a great family formed by the assembling together of sympathetic spirits. The tendency of the members of these families to unite together is a source of the resemblance, which constitutes a distinctive character of each people. Do you suppose that good and benevolent spirits would seek to incarnate themselves among a rude and brutal people? No. Spirits sympathize with masses of men as they sympathize with individuals. They go to the region of the earth with which they are the most in harmony.
Question 216. Does a spirit in his new existence retain any traces of the moral character of his former existences? The spirit's answer, yes, he may do so, but as he improves, he changes. His social position also may be greatly changed in his successive lives. If having been a master in one existence, he becomes a slave in another. His tastes will be altogether different and it would be difficult for you to recognize him. The spirit being the same in his various incarnations, there may be certain analogies between the manifestations of character in his successive lives, but these manifestations will nevertheless be modified by the change of conditions and habits incident to each of his new corporeal existences until through the ameliorations thus gradually affected his character has been completely changed. He who was proud and cruel becoming humble and humane through repentance and effort. Question 217. Does a man in his different incarnations retain any traces of his physical character of preceding existences? The spirits say that the body is destroyed and the new one has no connection with the old one. Nevertheless, the spirit is reflected in the body, and although the body is only matter, yet being modeled on the capacities of the spirit, the latter impresses upon it a certain character that is more particularly visible in the face and especially in the eyes, which have been truly declared to be the mirror of the soul. That is to say that the face reflects the soul more especially than does the rest of the body. And this is so true that a very ugly face may please when it forms part of the envelope of a good, wise, and humane spirit, while on the other hand, very handsome faces may cause you no pleasurable emotion or may even excite a moment of repulsion. It might seem at first that only well-made bodies could be the envelopes of good spirits. And yet what you see every day, virtuous and superior men with deformed bodies, without there being any marked resemblance between them, the similarity of tastes and tendencies may therefore give what is commonly called a family likeness to the corporeal bodies successively assumed by the same spirit. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so uh, Kardec has a commentary. He says, The body with which the soul is clothed in a new incarnation, not having any necessary connection with the one which it has quitted, since it may belong to quite another race, it would be absurd to infer a succession of existences from a resemblance which may only be fortuitous, but nevertheless the qualities of the spirit often modify the organs which serve for their manifestations and impress upon the countenance and even on the general manner a distinctive stamp. It is thus that an expression of nobility and dignity may be found under the humblest exterior, while the fine clothes of the grandee are often unable to hide the baseness and ignominy of their wearer. 
Some persons who have risen from the lowest position adopt without effort the habits and manners of the higher ranks, and some do have returned to their native element, while others, notwithstanding their advantages of birth and education, always seem to be out of their proper place in refined society. How can these facts be explained unless as a reflex of what the spirit has been in his former existences? Innate ideas. Does the spirit retain when incarnated any trace of the perceptions he has had and the knowledge he had acquired in its formal, former existences? The answer from spirit say there remains with him a vague remembrance, which gives him what you call innate ideas. Then the theory of innate ideas is not a chimera. Nate and the spirit say no. The knowledge acquired in each existence is not lost. A spirit, when freed from matter, always remembers what he's learned. He may, during incarnation, forget partially for a time, but the latent intuition which he preserves of all that he has once known aids him in advancing. Were it not for this intuition of past acquisitions, he would always have to begin his education over again. A spirit at each new existence takes his departure from the point at which he had arrived at the close of his preceding existence. Question 219. If that be the case, there must be a very close connection between two successive existences? The spirits say that connection is not always so close as you might suppose it to be, for the conditions of the two existences are often very different, and in the interval between them, the spirit may have made considerable progress. Question 220. What is the origin of the extraordinary faculties of those individuals who, without any preparatory study, appear to possess intuitively certain branches of knowledge, such as languages, arithmetic, arithmetic, etc.? The spirits say the vague remembrances of their past, the result of progress previously made by the soul, but of which it has no present consciousness. From what else could those intuitions be derived? The body changes, but the spirit does not change, although he changes his garment. Question 221. In changing our body, can we lose certain intellectual faculties, as, for instance, the taste for an art? Spirits say, yes, if you have sullied that faculty or made bad use of it. Moreover, an intellectual faculty may be made to slumber during an entire existence because the spirit wishes to exercise another faculty having no connection with the one which in that case remains latent but will come again into play in a later existence question 222 is it to a retrospective remembrance that are due the instinctive sentiment of the existence of god and the presentiment of a future life which appear to be natural to man even in the savage state the spirits answer yes to a remembrance which man has preserved of what he knew as a spirit before he was incarnated but pride often stifles this sentiment his follow-up question is it to this same remembrance that are due certain beliefs 
analogous to to spiritist doctrine, which are found among every people? The spirits say, (laughs) and besides that, they say, that doctrine is as old as the world and is therefore to be found everywhere. A ubiquity which proves it to be true. The incarnated spirit preserving the intuition of his state as a spirit possesses an instinctive consciousness of the invisible world. But this intuition is often perverted by prejudices and debased by the admixture of superstitions resulting from ignorance. Okay, that is the end. I had to go to a second uh, part uh, because I had reached 55 minutes and I felt like it was going to be more than five and here we are at almost nine minutes. So we just went a little bit over today. Next week, we will start with chapter five in the second book of the Spirits book, talking about the plurality of existences. <sighs> That's going to be wild. This whole book has been wild. I hope you've been enjoying it. Um, it For me, it's been pretty wild, actually. <laughs> a lot of it I knew already just because of my studies, but... Some of it's a little bit new to me, so it's like, all right, good. That's something I've been wondering. Thank God he answered. He, his mind was so inquisitive that it's really helping all of us, right? I'm, I'm glad about this. And I like what they say about children because it's like, what if your children do turn out to be jerks, right? Is it your fault? Really? No, it's not. It's they are their own people, even though it's our duty as parents to take care of the kids and give them the best of the best. And, you know, I constantly gave uh, a steady stream of love, both out loud saying, I love you to my kids and silently, constantly beaming love towards them. Whether they utilize what I gave them or not, that's not on me. It's on them. Right. And same for everybody. Right. So, um, that's good. All this, all this is making me feel a little bit better. It's like, we always question our existence as parents. Like, did we screw up? And everyone screws up. Everyone makes mistakes, right? It's only human, but I don't know. I'm going to be thinking about this stuff for a long time. I might go back and reread this during the week and, you know, think about it and apply it to my own life. And if you guys are interested in also doing that, I found this at ssbaltimore.org forward slash resources forward slash e dash books forward slash the spirits book with a dash between the and spirits and spirits and book dot pdf or (laughs) how i actually found it is i looked on google for the spirits book on pdf kardec k-a-r-d-e-c so you guys could do the same if you want to go ahead and read ahead or reread some of the sections i already read or you can just go back in the last few weeks and, and see, um, you know, just re-listen to the show. It's, you know, easier. But if you learn more by sight, and you could follow along with me, that's why I tell you where we're at every week, obviously, um, to keep track of it. And Plus, I'm a Virgo, but <laughs> I don't just, like, read randomly without explaining where I'm reading from. But <laughs> I would imagine maybe a, a Scorpio would do that. Okay, I, I'm just kidding. I have no idea if they would or wouldn't. 
There is no willy-nilliness. Okay, now we're on page 138 for next week, which is pretty cool. Well, that's it, guys. Please send in your ghost stories. We are coming up really, really rapidly on our metaphysical ghost speak. (laughs) That's really, that's like in two weeks, guys. I can't even believe it's that rapid. Anyway, um, also, if you have anything about the holidays, paranormal, supernatural stories about Santa Claus, Paranoel, any of that, or any miracles surrounding the holidays of Diwali or Hanukkah or Christmas, I want to hear it. Anything happened sometime in November or December, I know everyone else wants to hear these miracles as well. Did you ever write Santa Claus a letter? And miraculous, miraculously it came true, even though your parents didn't even know about the letter? Or that maybe... Um, you actually mailed it and your parents didn't know at all and they had nothing to do with it and that thing came to you anyway? I want to hear about that because I want to have a very special Christmas Eve show. All right, well, that's all I can say about that. I love you guys. Thank you so much for joining me this evening in our pursuit of knowledge about spirits and incarnations and all this and also thank you for being on the ascension journey with me and for listening to my show and for promoting it among your groups and among the people that you know would be spiritually minded like-minded like us so that we could find our hashtag soul family hashtag soul tribe and continue on in our advancement of our collective souls (laughs) i like saying that because this What I just read tonight kind of gives us a big example where where we're at and what we're doing, right? We're all trying to advance. And it's so frustrating. I was so frustrated last week with the sleeping, unawakened, unadvanced souls and some of the things that they were doing. It's like, come on, guys, let's all get along and move along to the fifth dimension together. Duh. (laughs) Duh. It's so frustrating. But we're in the process of it, and it's okay. We'll get there soonish. Anyway, I love each and every one of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, favoriting, subscribing, starring, whatever it is on the particular podcast app that you listen to me on. And thank you for leaving uh, reviews on iTunes for me. I just dropped off of the ranks from Belgium, so I thought that was pretty cool. That at least in iTunes for a while I was on the charts in Belgium, and <laughs> so it was pretty cool. I like getting these. I get these little reports every now and again. Hey, guess where you were heard on iTunes this week? So hi to all my listeners in Belgium. All right, that's it. I'm sleepy. I'm gonna go to sleep now. <laughs> Signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the holy fifth dimension. Until next time, peace. Do you ever wish you could look into the next chapter in your book of life and see what's coming next? What does the universe have in store for you? I can help you with that. I will give you a Celtic cross reading 
which is 10 cards, or you can ask me three questions, and I use three cards per question. So that's nine cards, or I can channel your higher guidance, or maybe God directly for you. Maybe you want to talk to your dear departed Aunt Edna because maybe you have a few questions and she was the smartest person you knew. If your deceased relatives are available or your ascended masters, I can channel them for you personally. Let me have one hour to show you the future in your next chapter of your book of life. Readings are $75 and it takes me an hour to an hour and a half to complete. And for this price, you will also be hooked up to the healing grid around the planet for free, which means yours truly, me, I will be giving you Reiki 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of your life. All you have to do is let me know. MetaphysicalSoulSpeak at gmail.com and we will explore your future together.